0: Welcome to Talking About Blood. I'm Helen Osborne, host of this podcast series and a member of the advisory board for The Blood Project. I also produce and host my own podcast series, Health Literacy Out Loud. Talking About Blood podcasts are interviews with experts about many aspects of blood, Today, I'm talking with Dr. Guy Trudell about research that he and his team are doing about astronauts and anemia. Dr. Trudell is professor of medicine at the University of Ottawa and director of the Bone and Joint Research Laboratory at the Ottawa Hospital Research Institute. His clinical practice involves the rehabilitation of people after polytrauma, including those with burns who have been or who have been in the intensive care unit for extensive periods of time. Working with a multidisciplinary team, Dr. Trudell's research looks at complications of immobility. Their findings led to innovative projects on bone marrow and space anemia. Their subjects include astronauts, during missions to the International Space Station. Welcome to Talking About Blood.
1: Thank you, Helen. Thanks for having me on your program.
0: What a treat. As I said, I I love to talk about all aspects of blood, including people doing really amazing, innovative work. And yours certainly is about with astronauts and anemia. Now you started your work from treating immobilized patients and now you're doing research with astronauts. Please fill in some of those dots there. How do these two areas connect?
1: Yeah so so my training is in rehabilitation medicine so I am treating people who have been as you said in the introduction in in bed for weeks and these patients are very deconditioned when they come to our rehab center and our rehab mm-hmm. unit. So that has been the focus of of my research, how to prevent the deconditioning or when it happens, how to reverse it as quickly as possible. So we have a basic research lab where we look at the effects of uh, immobility and deconditioning. And there are many of them. Uh, the bones are weaker and the muscles are weaker and atrophied. Um, And and we were studying this, especially in the bone marrow, and that's where the connection with the blood uh, will come. Uh, As you know, all of our blood cells originate from the bone marrow. And when we were doing our research and looking at bones who were immobilized for long periods of time, we noticed very significant changes in the the bone marrow. And there came our hypothesis that uh, maybe the anemia that these patients have Uh, could originate at least in part uh, from the bone marrow.
0: Well, I'm trying to just envision this. So you've got patients who are so sick, in bed, not moving, have been there a long time. and And you have this important medical question that you want to answer. But how did you make that leap to, well, let's study astronauts about that? They're the opposite of being immobile, aren't they?
1: Yeah. So we were doing research in the lab because it's very difficult to do this research on patients. They are so heterogeneous. No two are alike. Oh, uh, and then we heard of this, uh, of this model that people in space research are doing, this human model where people are in bed for extended periods of time and then they study the effects of, uh, of microgravity and of some treatment on this earthly model. So for them, bed rest is a very good model of space. But for us, bed rest was a very good model of bed rest. Yeah. And uh, we tried to apply some of our measures uh, to uh, people in bed and then to astronauts. And when I started reading a little bit, a little bit more about this, I found out that a re- an astronaut returning from space is very Similar, it comes with a very similar set of issues than a patient coming back from ICU, meaning that they will have vestibular issues, they will have muscle mass loss, they will have osteopenia, and they also have anemia, just like my patients do. So we wondered if the cause of anemia that 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 we were um, looking at in immobile models would also apply. To the very well known problem of space anemia, which has been known since the very first human has been going to space
0: fascinating so is it are you talking about someone who is just going up and down, just very quickly going into space, or someone who's been there a while? Do all these physiologic changes happen right away or for a while
1: so in the mid nineteen nineties were uh, seminal work and very innovative work with the techniques of the day, uh, and these t- these found out that the anemia might have been caused by uh, destruction of red blood cells that would happen in the first few days in space as a as a adaptation to other changes happening in space, namely uh, significant fluid shift uh, happening in the body, which makes uh, us having too much, too many, too much fluid, and then mm-hmm. e- ejecting that fluid from our blood vessels, and then concentrating our red blood cells. So that was the main hypothesis when we started looking at this.
0: <laughs> I'm just fascinated by that. I want to hear about two main parts of it. What did you learn? How did you get ready to? research astronauts. That doesn't sound like a very easy population to access. And then, of course, I want to hear about the applicability to people who are immobile and in bed. So let's start with the astronauts. How did you go about doing that work? Once you and your in your thought made that connection, like here there might be some similar issues, how did you go about actually doing this?
1: So the key here was to develop methods that would precisely measure hemolysis, which is the destruction of red blood cells, on the, on the space station in astronauts. Um, so we, we planned a protocol for that. We submitted it to the space agencies. And uh, long and behold, after years and years of study, we were allowed to recruit astronauts. Like oh. six years later, when we adapted all of our earthly methods <laughs> so that they function on the space station, and all the supplies we need had to be sent uh, separately on cargo ships heading to the space station and, and regularly resupply. And the astronauts had to include in their schedules uh, the, um, the blood work and the uh, air samples uh, that they would, uh, that they would uh, uh, harvest uh, for this study.
0: I wanted to just ask you, before it goes on too long, you talked about your earthly methods. Can you tell us a story or give us an example of what you mean by that?
1: Yeah, for example, if you want to draw blood and filter it, you can do that easily on Earth. Okay. But in space, you cannot do that because there would be a risk of blood um, being spread in the space station, which would be a health hazard. Of course. Um, Similarly, if you want to make a measure on the space station, you need specialized machines. Um, And and the weight and the volume of these machines uh, make it unfeasible for Earth in in order to achieve the precision we want. So in order to collect air samples, for example, breathing air samples, Mm -hmm. we had to devise a collection method that would trap the air in a metal canister, and then these air samples would be sent back to Earth and all the way to our lab in order to analyze a specific component of air, which is the carbon monoxide. And to us, this was a a key change in the methods that allowed us to, uh, to advance the field of space anemia because it would allow to measure directly the uh, hemolysis happening in space, as opposed to indirect methods that were used in the past.
0: Wow. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It makes it more vivid in my mind when I see that kind of blood going everywhere that you have to work around that. That's what took the years and the preparation to get ready to do this research?
1: Yeah, this and and all of the other supplies we're sending had to go through approval at many levels to make sure that they are safe, Uh, for example, in terms of outgassing of various gases in the space station, in terms of flammabilities. So all these details had to be worked out before you could implement your protocol up in the space station.
0: You certainly are persistent, (laughs) as well (laughs) as inquisitive. UN team, what did you learn from this work?
1: So we made uh, actually a nice discovery. That was in in some way uh, unexpected. We did find that the control of our red blood cells in space is very different than on Earth. Uh, For a reason that's still unknown, we can't, our red blood cells cannot live as long in space as on Earth. And we're destroying many more red blood cells. In fact, we measured over 50% more red blood cells are being degraded at any time. Mm-hmm. Now, this could have been predicted uh, as, as was measured before in the first few days in space. But the surprise came when we measured uh, the, same, um, the same increased red blood cell disruptions later in the flight at 60 days and then even before landing at 150 days in space, that increased red blood cell destruction was still proceeding unabated. And so the conclusion is that the hemolysis in space is most likely the cause of space anemia and it is a direct effect of being in space uh, because the minute the astronauts landed, then this effect would uh, markedly decrease. So it was really an on-off phenomenon. In space, you increase your, increase your red bus sail destruction, you land, and it's um, almost back to normal upon landing.
0: Oh, my goodness. So,
1: so all of the previous explanations that we had for short adjustments uh, do not hold any longer. And we need to orient the research towards the mechanisms of hemolysis in new directions.
0: And what's the applicability to people who are immobilized?
1: Uh, I was pointing to similarities between people who are in bed for a long time mm-hmm. and astronauts returning from space. Mm-hmm. And one commonality is the anemia. And uh, therefore, the findings that we are making uh, on, in, in space may well apply as well to the same populations. In fact, the rehabilitation patients who are paralyzed, who are less mobile, who are spending more time in bed or sitting. Um, And these categories of patients, these groups of patients, have long been identified to have anemia, but the cause was unknown. It was classified as uh, unknown anemia, Mm -hmm. anemia of unknown origin. And so the measures we uh, developed uh, may well explain part of the anemia in those patients. Um, from there, it sets a clear direction to try new interventions in order to mitigate the anemia.
0: I, I just keep coming up with that word fascinating. I don't think I can come up with another word. Can you tell us another story of something else that you learned from the astronauts in space? Uh, you said this was an unexpected discovery. What else? What's one, something else that you learned in your research?
1: One uh, one aspect that, in fact, we were afraid and, and working for years on preparing this, we wondered if all of the countermeasures that the astronaut used to uh, prevent or decrease the effects of microgravity, for example, uh, all of the uh, strength testing, all of the aerobic testing, the the, the running uh, running on the treadmill in space, mm-hmm. if that would overcome the space anemia, because recently, before our work, um, there was a measure uh, in of blood in astronauts um, that showed that while in space, the astronaut had no anemia. The anemia was really present uh, when landing from space. Hmm. So we wondered if all these countermeasures that have been uh, refined over the years and that the astronauts are doing in space would actually correct the anemia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, in fact, this was not the case. The astronauts came back with a significant red blood cell deficit. So we know that all of the research and all of the uh, protocols developed to mitigate the effects of microgravity uh, do not work on blood. Uh, so again, we will have to find specific countermeasures in order to prepare for that. Mm-hmm. Um, And the astronauts we studied, the 14 astronauts, were in for 6 months missions. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now we're preparing for a much longer uh, manned mission to Mars. And that raises many more questions about uh, is that red blood cell destruction at one point uh, uh, become a a health hazard or when returning from such a long time in space, uh, if there will be... uh, difficulties readapting to Earth.
0: When someone goes to Mars, how long does that take?
1: We're talking two to three years uh, for wow. the travel there, the mission there, and back. Um, because also, in our know, astronauts, we did measure how they recovered from the anemia. This, uh, I guess, is our rehab band. We want to know how people recover. And we mm-hmm. took measures up to a year after landing. And we found out that the control of red blood cells was still not back to normal a year after landing. There was still a slightly increased uh, red blood cell destruction compared to pre-flight and slightly higher levels of red blood cells as well. So it may be that some of the changes that happened uh, and lasted for six months on the space stations have made structural changes to the organs involved in red blood cell control and uh, this is where our next research will go to look at the various organs uh, controlling our red blood cell numbers, namely the bone marrow, the spleen, uh, and the lungs, and see if uh, the cause, we would find the cause there for the changes.
0: It sounds like your work is not over by any means there, both for people in outer space and people in bed here on earth.
1: That's a problem. A discovery is bringing new knowledge, but it's uh, raising many more questions. Um, so we'll we'll have certainly some more work for us and for generations that will follow us.
0: Well, that's probably a good time to ask you the questions that I often ask guests on talking about blood. Our listeners are seasoned professionals and physicians who perhaps hematologists who've been doing this work for a long time. Um, we also have listeners who are newer in their careers, perhaps um, in their residency in medical school or just thinking about entering the health professions. And we also have people like me who are just curious about blood. Based on your work and your experience, what recommendations or tips do you have for any of us?
1: I think related to this work, Helen, uh, what comes to mind is uh, to be careful at dogmas. Okay. So the, mm-hmm. the the pathophysiology for space anemia had been worked out, and for the past 25 years, it was thought to be... Um, mechanism A Mm -hmm. and then we wanted to test this further and there were roadblocks and then people said why do you want to research this we've known this forever and this is the mechanism for the disease and some aspects of it told us that no I don't think this has been worked out very well and then we developed these studies to with new hypotheses in mind and in fact, what we found is kind of a rewriting the pathophysiology of this problem, which is space anemia. So, so be careful of, uh, of dogmas, of ideas that have been as, as accepted for a long time, mm-hmm. but maybe not based on, on enough uh, science or enough evidence. So don't be afraid of, um, of retesting um, older hypotheses or older knowledge uh, if there's a need for it. And be persistent over it, because because it, uh, in in this case it led to to discovering a a kind of a treasure here, and, and reorient uh, the research, and that can have multiple applications that were not suspected initially.
0: That's wow! I'm hearing that actually from a lot of people doing really innovative work about break the mold, ask those questions. Whether you've been doing this work a long time, you're at a starting phase, there's so much to learn, and you are exemplifying that in how you put these very disparate populations together to be giving us such new knowledge So I would think that that would apply to those doing this work for a long time and those beginning that work with all that inquisitiveness. What would you want those of us who just find this so interesting to take away? What would be that core message about astronauts and anemia?
1: So astronauts have a lot of changes in their bodies and we are adapting very well. Um, so astronauts can come back and, and recover fairly quickly. But now we're exploring the next frontier, the, the really long travel, being in space for a year, two years, and, and I believe we don't know all about that. So uh, I think that we should verify that our knowledge for short-term flight will really apply to long-term flights uh, in order to bring the astronauts back safely. And that is specifically true for the problem of space anemia. We know up to six months, but after that, we don't. And then we should uh, prepare experiments to test for those as well.
0: I want to keep talking for you and learning from you. I know you're well published. I want. I'm hungry to keep learning more about this great topic. But let's put a pause in this for now. Thank you so much for sharing these stories, especially for doing your research and for talking about it with us and talking about blood.
1: Thank you for your interest on the topic and on our work, Helen.
0: As we just heard from Dr. Guy Trudel, it's important to come up with new hypotheses, new ways of looking at the world and its space to learn about blood. To learn more about The Blood Project and explore its many resources for professionals, trainees, and patients, go to thebloodproject.com. I invite you to also listen to my other podcast series, that's About Health Communication, at healthliteracy.outloud.com. Please help spread the word about this podcast series and The Blood Project. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Helen Osborne.